now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome everybody and Happy New Year. Two guys and a mic back on the air. First time in the beautiful year of 2012. Better things ahead of us both in sports and the world. I'm sure it's going to be a great year. Happy New Year to all. Hope you had a safe and enjoyable holiday season. The big dog and the coach are back at you like a bad dream. We keep reoccurring and we are back against all odds for year number three here on the Two Guys at a Mic show. We got plenty of football to recap. We have been on the air since, I guess, Friday, but it feels like feels like we've been on for a week and a half. There's been that much that has happened since. Uh, yesterday, of course, we were all back on. Today, it's a Tuesday, not a Monday, folks. Wake up, smell the coffee. 2012 is off and a running. Big Dog and the Coach at your service. Big dog, want to welcome you to the program, my friend. Hope you had a happy new year. Hate to start on a negative, but there's rumors of swishing, my friend, that not only Jerry Angelo of the Bears could be house cleaned out of a job, but both you and me collectively going 0-3 on our Beat the Schmoes football picks. There's rumors, my friend, that this could be our first and last show of 2012. Happy New Year, Dave. That's how you all year long, if I won a game by a point, you'd have to bring it up. The last two weeks, every game that I've lost has been by like a point in the, the, first, the spread. So I'm trying to get you to sink along with me because clearly it's been an abysmal season for me and beat the Schmelz. I'm still 30 and 23, which would mean you would be making hardcore cash with me. So I, I would not – and I – you know what? I got stuck in the middle of coaching. I'm doing. I'm in the middle of a college football bowl picks, which I'm dominating, doing unbelievable. Every game I picked this weekend was right. The three games that I got wrong, I picked and beat the schmoes. I, if I would have picked any other of the games that I would chose this week, I would have went three and zero. Oh, and I am not kidding you. You can look it up on my fantasy profile. Goldmark Watson, go ahead look at it. Sounds to me like a man desperately trying to hold on to his job. You can feel, you can hear the desperation in the big dog's voice. No question about it. <laughs> <laughs> my point is, oh, my goodness, I went with my heart in, like, oh, I'll just take all the Big Ten underdogs because I thought they'd play a lot better. You know, I'll take the Oklahoma-Iowa game if we're going to go through the whole weekend of football, Coach. Iowa played Oklahoma real, real tough, and then all of a sudden two yep. late scores, and they, they don't cover. Yeah. And then Northwestern, come on, they just got blitzed early, Coach. It was like they got pants, and then they had to play catch-up all game long. <laughs> and yeah. If Northwestern has five more minutes, they win that game. Somebody should fire. I don't know who's in charge of Big Ten football, but it was not a good weekend, Big Dog. Not a good weekend at all. Now, today, Michigan plays Virginia Tech, and I don't want to put pressure on the Michigan Wolverines, but if they lose, I mean, this is going to be a disastrous bowl season for the Big of Ten. If they win, they'll go 4-6. and six. If they lose, they'll go 3-7. and seven. Either way, it's disappointing. But they're going to win this game. You know why? They're playing in Louisiana versus Virginia. It's kind of weird that Northwestern loses to Texas A&M in Texas. Ohio State loses to the Florida Gators in the Florida Gator Bowl? I mean, come on, Coach. It's just, it goes on and we keep on when, – when the Big Ten gets bashed every single year for losing a bunch of close games, you got to look at the fact, why are they playing these teams in the same state that they're from? Excuses, so, excuses. I, we will – 
We'll go over a lot of college football and over the NFL games from Sunday, too. The playoff picture is is in place. I'm not sure it's settled because uh, it's kind of an unsettling look, but it is in place. Lots of football to talk about. Put the phone number out there for you, folks. You want to check in, uh, be the first caller. The first caller of 2012. What a great honor that would be. That's something you can put on your mantle, big dog. At the end of your career, you say, hey, in 2012, I was the first caller to a show that probably will end in about a week. Just kidding. 888-463-6748. The phone number, again, 888-463-6748. we got plenty of time to talk about the football, but first, big dog, um, you sound like you're safe. You sound like you're happy. You had a good holidays. You know how I always worry about you, especially, especially during the New Year's. Uh, from the 22nd through the 2nd. Oh, my goodness, Coach. i got to tell you something. Uh, I just need to sit down and, and not party for like a day, okay? Because it seems like if I'm at my house, it seems like yesterday was a good day. People just kept coming and coming and coming watching all the football. But, yes, I, I did a really smart this year. Uh started on the 30th going out and partying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Coach, i got a great story for you, by the way. But it, it starts, all i got to tell you is this, designated drivers and partying local. I, on New Year's Eve, I walked to my buddy's house and had one heck of an evening is the best way I can tell you. That was good. But on December 30th, I go to a place called Colby, Chicago. It's Korean barbecue. Okay? okay. Go in there. It's, uh, it's on Foster. And right when I go in, there's this massive picture of Ichiro. It's life size. There's pictures of Chicago Cubs all over the walls when they come in there. There's pictures of all different types of baseball players. Even he stopped Choi. It was Korean barbecue, okay? And when we get there, I was like, hey, I want this right here. And they were like, that's Japanese, Joel. You should order Korean. These people are Korean here. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So anyway, you go out there, you drop the meat, you barbecue it yourself right in front of you. It's like phenomenal. So I'm having a real enjoyable time. It's a good night. When we're leaving, I tell Lily the Lilac, because I'm with her friends celebrating two of her friends' birthdays. I'm like, Lily Lilac, go up and tell that woman this we had great service from the woman who owns the place. Mm-hmm. She's like 60, very cute woman. I was like, tell her that uh, the Cubs should never have gotten rid of Hesop Choi. She's like, okay, <laughs> I'll do that. Okay. So she goes, oh, you know, the Cubs should never have gotten rid of Hesop Choi. And the woman looks, oh, no, 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 I'm not coming in, I'm Japanese. Okay, so right then, right then, everybody was so now, was, she was not offended. But it was just, it was just one of those things where, if you get like that wrong, sometimes people get upset. But coach, I think that might have been one of the funniest moments that I, I have had before the end of the new year because right away she knew exactly what she meant. And now the whole place, I, I said I should have ordered Japanese in the first place. So by the way, as a as a word of advice, if you do go to Colby's and order the Hisop Choi, eat it quickly while it's hot because it does cool off incredibly quick. Oh my yes, it does. Thank coach. you very much. We'll be here all week. Actually, so, we might yeah, be here I, all year. Who knows? Uh, good, a good weekend was had by all of us. Phenomenal. And watching football out of my mind, this has been a good, the last couple days, the football that we have seen, are you kidding me? Last night, the Oklahoma State-Stanford game was as good as you will as, as you will ever get. You know what's funny is if that Stanford kid makes the kick, everybody's talking about how Andrew Luck was cool under pressure, let his team down perfectly at the end of the game for a game-winning drive. Now everybody's like, oh, they couldn't score in overtime? Is, you know, uh, I don't know that you know, that many people. I'm not sure that many people are saying that. Andrew Luck only threw the ball one time in overtime, so you might want to question the play call. And by the yeah, way, in my true good tradition, point. I watched the game at 5:45 this morning. I should say the end of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter this morning. But 
yeah, the play call was pretty shaky there, but that was a great game. Oklahoma State wins it in overtime. And I'll tell you this, big dog, and I do want to get to the field goal kickers because that was a huge story. But I don't know, you know, the term NFL ready is oft overused. It can almost become cliche. I don't know that I've ever seen two collegiate football players that are more NFL ready than Andrew Luck and Justin Blackman. Both of them are unbelievable and, uh, again, NFL ready. Uh, Coach, Justin Blackman is a guy that 32 NFL teams want on their roster. Immediately. I mean, they'd take him for the playoffs in a week. He's the whole package. Imagine Terrell Owens, but instead of being T.O. Team Obliterator, he's the guy that brings everybody together because he has a positive attitude and he does the right thing. And and when he calls for the ball, it isn't like, get me the ball so I get more stats. He's like, we are losing – we want to win. Get me the football, and that's exactly what happened. I don't know. You watched the last uh, third of the game. Well, in the at the in the middle or the beginning of the second quarter, he kind of started yelling on the sidelines. First time I have ever seen him even act a little bit like non-totally. Let's go team, you know. But when you look at it, he wasn't like angry. Dude, he was like getting people together, and he was and he told him just get me the ball. I'm not kidding you, coach. I threw a screen to him, and he went 80 yards for a touchdown the next time he had the ball. <laughs> Broke okay, a couple so of tackles along the way. And then, by the way, they know he did the next time he got the ball? He went 50 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. He had yeah. two catches for 120 yards in the in the second quarter alone. You know, he's really touchdown. not that good outside of the fact that he's got incredibly strong hands, great concentration. He's big. He explodes out of his cuts, and he's got a great attitude. Outside of that, big dog, he's really pretty much overrated. Now, do you know the story about him and uh, – the, the girl named, I believe her name is Nicole, but she's uh, a nine-year-old girl okay. who's gone through 108 months of chemo. Wow. And she's it's, it's, she might be beating it right now. Her uh, leukemia is going into uh, remission. Mm-hmm. But uh, about a year ago, Justin Blackman went, was going through kids children's hospitals, okay, and he met this girl, and they made some kind of connection. And now, like, he's friends with this girl. Takes good care of her. Uh, she was at the game yesterday. Watching her during the game was like heart wrenching. Like you wanted Oklahoma State to win just because of this girl. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, and uh, it was pretty cool. He talked about her after the game when he was getting interviewed. I mean, this is the type of guy where he's almost worth trading up for for the Bears. Not, I mean, not, honestly, not almost. Not almost. He is again. I don't remember seeing a receiver. Of course, I said that about Mike Williams from USC, too, but he had only played no, for a couple of years. He's better than Mike Williams. He really is. If you go back to how we both thought of Mike Williams coming out of USC, we, I like I liked Justin Blackman more than I liked Mike Williams back then. Mm-hmm. I, Justin Blackman is a little bit less of a sure thing than Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald were. I put them right there. I put He's just as good as Charles Rogers, but Charles Rogers you know, broke his collarbone and got addicted to painkillers and actually you know, his career was horrible. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would say he's better level. better than a Charles Rogers, maybe compared uh, to Larry Rogers. Fitzgerald. But bottom line is, it was just impressive to watch him. Andrew Luck as well, just a you know, uh, obviously very very much hyped Heisman candidate last couple of years. But he lives up to the billing, and he is a kid that can just come in right away and start in the NFL. He's so smooth, great kid too, quality person. Uh, but it did come down, and we're talking about the last game here. we got plenty to talk about. Go over some of the other games, too. Don't forget, Sunday is kind of weird. We're talking college football after the pro football. Normally, it's the Saturday college football and then the NFL Sunday game, but a little reverse the curse today on a beautiful uh, Tuesday, January 3rd. But um, 
you know, once again, we are reminded, and I don't know, I'll, I'll make this statement, Big Doug, that one of the negatives, one of the fallacies of the game of football that we both love and many of our audience loves, one of the negatives of it is that it is a game that, unfortunately, at the very end, can be decided by a five foot nine and a half inch foreign speaking person who doesn't throw or run, but he simply kicks the football. It's amazing. And you alluded to it how the view of a game or players can differ just on one kick, and it certainly in that game came down to it. A freshman, uh, he actually speaks English, but uh-huh. he's a freshman, and Oklahoma State called the timeout to freeze him, and he just choked on the field goal, and that was the difference in the game. I. I don't know if you're with me in that, but I, I still look at that as a negative in football that sometimes it comes down to the little guy. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's just one of those things that, I don't know if it's a negative, it's just one of those things after 80, 90 years, it's just, it, that's what it's accepted. And if you if you don't want a game to come down to the soccer player, then you have to win by more than a touchdown. Yep. It's basically what you have to do. I'm not rooting on those guys because when they're good, Robbie Gold is a football player. All That's all I know is the Chicago Bears. I love that guy. Uh, but it, it's so true, Coach, how games can end up being determined by a guy that literally plays like five uh, snaps a game. Hopefully he'll he'll make two tackles in his whole career if he plays for 20 years. You know, so <laughs> it's just weird how it comes down like that. Now, why did David Shaw is an excellent coach for Stanford? And yep. if you consider they brought up a point that Robert Griffin III at Baylor, the Heisman winner, if you're comparing him to Andrew Luck, the eighth fastest excuse me, the seventh fastest player or wide receiver at BYU or at, at Baylor, coach, would be the fastest player of any receiver at Stanford. Mm-hmm. The seventh. You mean they have seven faster players at Baylor in the receiving core than Stanford does. So David Shaw, the coach at Stanford, is doing a pretty good job for them to win if they don't have all this explosive talent all over the place. But in overtime, you, you basically, after the way that kicker missed that field goal, you have to play as a four-down team is the way I was looking at it, Coach. He was so bad that you mm. – and what happened when he kicked the So you're questioning on fourth and – what was it, fourth and ten? I, honestly, yeah, fourth and Oof. ten at that point. I, Oklahoma State was not going to not score. I, well, I hear what you're saying, but, I boy, if it comes down to it, i I got to take my shot in the field goal there. Okay, so – but coach, if you're thinking about the whole situation, you're you're right, and that is the safe thing to do. And if you don't do that, everybody can question you and say you're wrong. But if you really want to win the game, you do not kick a field goal right there. Because fourth and ten, though, big dog. Not fourth and three. Fourth and ten. I know you got the best quarterback in the country, and it is tempting. But boy, okay. fourth and ten. Okay, and the field is- goal we're talking about was not 52 yards; it's 42. And I know your kicker just choked, but 42 is a makeable field goal. That'd be a hell of a gamble on 4th and 10. Coach, okay, you have that guy had about a 50-50 shot to make that 42-yard field goal, okay? okay. A 4th and 10 situation with Andrew Luck is probably a 33%. Well, you, if it's a 50-50 shot and you make it, you're still only up 3 against Oklahoma State, the highest scoring team in college football. You had to go for it. That was just my, I said it before the midfield goal. I was, guys, I was like, guys, they have to go for it. And, and trust me, everybody in the room was like, no way the no, nobody agrees with me then. And after they missed it, people were still like it was the right decision. But By the way, I, I speaking of, that, of decisions in that game, and again, our phone number, if you want to check in any of the bowl games or going back a day to the NFL football on Sunday, give us a call, Big Dog and a Coach. First show of the 2012 season, 888-463-6748. Best 
coaching decision that I saw the entire weekend, Big Dog. The Oklahoma coach, what's his name, Mike Gundy? Oklahoma, what Oklahoma, State. Oh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Yeah, Mike Gundy. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a timeout left. Stanford's got the ball playing for a field goal. And, mm-hmm. you know, you think that you'd want time left in case they make the field goal to be able to respond a little bit, even though they had two plays left. And while the announcers and myself and a lot of people were thinking, why aren't they calling timeout? You might as well. They let the clock run down to whatever it was, 13 seconds, 15 seconds, 8 seconds. But then when the freshman field goal kicker was getting lined up to make his kick, uh-huh. they, they used the T.O. right then to freeze the kicker. I, I personally would not have thought about that in that situation. I would have saved time on the clock. Great decision, good forethought. I don't know if he got it from upstairs or in his own head, Big Doug. That was a, a small but extremely significant coaching decision. I think it added to the choke of the freshman kicker. I'm going to have to completely agree with you on that one. I don't like to do that, but yes, because I, I was the same way. I'm like, I was like, guys, you can get one pass, get you in yep. the field goal range, yep. you know, and especially with that offense and Justin, and you got Justin Blackman. I was, I was kind of like, what's going on here? I didn't understand it. Did not understand it. So I'm going to agree with you on that one. That was, a, it was magnificent. Now it was the call of the weekend. Yep. Wisconsin losing in the Rose Bowl to Oregon. Highest scoring Rose Bowl, 98 years of Rose Bowl competition. Big Dove, the 100th Rose Bowl, uh, you know, in a couple of years. Hopefully Northwestern can be part of that. Wouldn't that be great pageantry? Great game, one of the best Rose Bowls offensively ever. The first half was wild. Wisconsin ends out losing. Great performance from Oregon, but from an entertaining standpoint. And, again, the great tradition of the Rose Bowl. Again, it sounds cliche, but there is something about that game. The pregame, the field, I don't know what it is. I think it's that late afternoon, sir, but there's something truly is the great tradition of the Rose Bowl, and this year's game lived up to it. I, I, I never miss the Rose Bowl. I will never miss the Rose Bowl unless somebody is like deathly ill, Coach. Seriously, that's just I am. I have that's without question. It's a tradition that will continue on in my family forever. And there is something special about that game. And that was about as good of a Rose Bowl as as you're ever going to see. It was mm-hmm. extremely well played. And I'm going to change the subject. That I don't know what it seems like everybody else is talking about, but I'm going to just throw my two cents on it. Typically, I get a little bit, it's almost cliche and passe, these these uniform changes. Nowadays, it's like uniform changes just for uniform change sake. Hey, let's see how cute we can get. But those helmets we're going to head on during that Rose Bowl <laughs> were magnificent, Coach. I know, I know Oregon's known for that. So in a way, it kind of takes a little bit of luster away from how cool those helmets are because they're always doing new things. But that was... When Notre Dame came out in the green uh, jerseys like like 40 years ago when they actually started doing the tradition of, hey, let's do a uniform change just for a little shot of energy for the team, that was phenomenal. When they came out, when I saw those helmets, I'm like, if you were playing in that, it would make you feel like futuristic and like a better player. I swear it would, Coach. I I would love to put that helmet on. So cool that it's almost hard. How would you describe the look to someone who didn't see the game? It was it was called mirror ball was the color that was what they called it that's what they called the mirror ball helmets is what Nike calls them and they're basically a perfectly reflective surface like you're looking in a mirror and then along inside of that is I'm matted on top of that was a see-through purplish 
very low-key tint where you can still see through it like it was a mirror ball. Uh, painting of like the duck wings that they have on their shoulder pads, if you know the Oregon duck uniforms. That was on the, it was, they were magnificent coach. That was the only word I could use for them. And, and when they play in the Rose Bowl or the national championship games from now on, they should wear that helmet. That should be like their helmet when they're playing in like marquee games throughout uh, the course of their history. It was so awesome. Yeah. Their uniforms were magnificent, and their offense uh, was magnificent also as they just exploded. That first half was just touchdown after touchdown. I love the comment by Kirk Herbstreet. Almost, it was a little bit humor, but it was also in legitimate frustration as they're showing a replay. He goes, let me break down this uh, touchdown pass here and how the receiver got open. Let me do it real quick before somebody scores again. <laughs> he was trying to get one analysis in before he had to analyze another touchdown. And it, it, the, the TDs were happening that quick in the first half, at least. He said it immediately <laughs> after um, uh, uh, Dewan Thomas's uh 64-yard jet sweep touchdown where he didn't even get touched. Yep. And LaMichael James, the leading rusher in college football, was the lead blocker on the play. Yes. I, I mean, Oregon, they execute, don't they, Coach? Oh, my goodness. They just keep... They just keep coming and coming at you. That what was, year, by the way? Now, we all know about LaMichael. James, phenomenal. The quarterback, Darren Thomas, you talk about underrated. He is underrated, folks. His passing ability. He is a much better passer than I thought. But what about the Black Mamba, DeAnthony Thomas? What year is he? Uh, he's a true freshman. No! He's a no! freshman. Please. Cannot be. He's a freshman, and he had a run of 64 yards for a touchdown, and previous to that, a 91-yard wow. Rose Bowl record touchdown run. So a year ago, he's playing in front of 4,000 fans in a high school state football game, and one year later, he's playing in the Rose Bowl and starting. Yes, and, and basically right down the street because, uh, well, no, well, the Rose Bowl is actually located in Pasadena, which is pretty nice. It's about 15 miles away from Compton, where he grew up. Content. Wow. Pretty close to USC, University of South Central. D'Anthony, yeah, right, uh, so that's that's a guy we'll be hearing about for the next couple of years. And and what is with the uh, the nickname the Black Mamba? Do you know the derivative of that? Well, he's from Los Angeles. He loves Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. So that was one of those self-proclaimed. He had that name when he got to college. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where he got that. Okay. Like his first game, they're like, well, Michael James is off, but we got the Black Mamba. And I hadn't even seen him run yet. And all of a sudden I was like, he's better than Michael James. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, Michael James led the nation in rushing this year, and I swear to you that uh, his backup had more electrifying runs than Michael James. And even though Michael James yesterday had a couple explosive plays, and if he gets in the right system, where you get into a system like the Saints, where he comes in and packages, and you take uh, they do what he does well, Michael James can be a superstar in the NFL. Yep, I would agree with that. I don't, I don't even even know if he needs the right system. Just call the plays, let them hide behind those big offensive linemen and let them explode. That guy's a flat-out runner. We talked about NFL ready. Wisconsin lost the game. They didn't play badly. Um, and you talk about NFL ready. They're running back Monty Ball. Outstanding couple of their offensive linemen. Those are NFL players, but they uh, they came to play as well, Big Dog. Pretty good performance and a great crowd, as always, from the avid Wisconsin fans. Now, there was a battle going on with number 47 of Oregon and number 48, uh, the kid Stevie Peterson, uh, the, the fullback for Wisconsin. 47, was that Allegro kid? Oh, my. Did you see what they were, good. It was, oh, my. 
If you're a bat, uh, uh, if you love contact on the football field, if you love just two guys hitting each other as hard as they possibly can, play after play after play, that was the matchup to watch yesterday in college football. Those uh, after the game, the Allegro kid, not the Allegro kid. You're talking about number five, the the freshman who was covering uh, as a gunner. That kid, but I'm trying to. He was. No, uh, he I'm, was I'm talking about 47. His name was. If it wasn't Allegro, it was something like that. They had like an Allegro kid that was their. He was their cornerback, the freshman kid that had caused all kinds of trouble early on in the year, and he was number five. Okay. Number forty-seven was. Uh, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe that is that, that kid's name. But he, at the end of the game, he started speaking, and he sounded like a complete idiot. I'm not. I'm not trying to make fun of the kid, but my buddies are like, "Oh my, look at this kid talk." I think back now, he might have had a concussion, coach, mm-hmm. and just been loopy because those two slammed into each other. 40 times, at, at least 40 times yesterday. How about oh. the hit? The hardest hit I saw was at the uh, was at the end of regulation when Stanford almost scored. Looked like they were going to get in at the one-yard line, and the Oklahoma State defender just Number 19. helmet on helmet and took himself out of the game. And I'm thinking, great hit, replay, but, boy, I worry about that kid. You know, hits like that are what you make – worry about football, because that, that has to have an effect on you, Big Dog. So it was number 19 for Oklahoma State. His last name was Williams. He was playing weak side linebacker. He ran for 30 yards untouched, and the kid from Stanford was trying to get to the pylon, and there was no other angle besides a – and you said it right. If that was as vicious of a hit as it yep. was in the whole entire week, and I'm even including the NFL. I did not see a hit like that. Mm-hmm. That was unreal. The kid – Got up, started going back to the huddle, and I'm glad you brought this hit up because I wanted to talk about it. The official saw him, went over to the kid, looked him in the eye, said something to him, and then put him off the field. Officials need to do that, okay? If, if you look at a kid's eyes and he's loopy, you know what? I guarantee you one thing. If a coach yelled for me to the side, are you okay? I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine, even if I wasn't. If, and, I, and I would not tell a teammate to get off the field either. The official. I'm not saying it's their responsibility in terms of like officially, but kind of morally. It mm-hmm. is. If you see a kid that's messed up out there, you got to yep. do what the official did last night on that exact hit you're talking about, send the kid off the field. Yep, that's good officiating. No question about it. I agree with you. Big Dog uh, getting his football frenzy out a little bit from uh, watching the games yesterday and Sunday. Now, paint a picture for me on New Year's Day. It actually wasn't New Year's Day. It was the day after New Year's Day, but it was the day all the bowl games were on. Dog, what, did you wake up like at a 9.30, 10 o'clock, stretch out a little bit? Were you right on target for the 11 o'clock kickoff? Houston and Penn State, did you ease into it, paint a picture of the football day yesterday for football fan Joel Radwanski? Oh, so, oh yeah, the January 2nd, because it was, you know, it was good because the, the, the college day of football on January 1st yep. is a sacred day for me. Yes. So... But normally, I party so hard on December 31st, mm-hmm. I kind of mess up my enjoyment. Up and, I'm not, I don't feel normal until the Rose Bowl starts. If you don't think of it. Well, this year was no problem. I took it easy on the first. Chilled out with Lily the Lilac. And I, I was <laughs> it was the most enjoyable day I could have on January 2nd. It was cool because normally, on the Sundays, I get deluged by people stopping in the neighborhood, stopping uh-huh. by. And it's, you know, there's some guys that bring the beer. Hey, come on in. There's some guys that are going to drink all my beer. And I'm like, hey, I'm leaving pretty soon. Where are you going on Sunday? <laughs> uh, I got to wash my hair. You know what I mean? So, 
you know, it depends on who's coming over. It was good. On, on January 1st was beautiful, Coach, because on that Sunday, nobody showed up. It was a nice, easy day. It was, it was unreal. Actually, worked, it worked for me pretty well. Maybe we should uh, continue as a tradition. As long as people get school off or work off, that would be obviously a key ingredient. But maybe, uh, you know, not New Year's Day, but the day after New Year's Day would be great for the bowl games. I kind of enjoyed it as well. You I know. have no problem with that. Yeah, I have no problem whatsoever, and I'm, I'm gonna, I've tried to make it a pact in my life was to find jobs that were not gonna cost me watching football because in order to keep this, this my dream of us doing a show together, a live coach, sometimes I have to get like retail jobs and stuff like that, which would mean I would work on the weekends, mm-hmm. but I refuse to do that. You know, it's too difficult for me. I when I worked retail on weekends during football, I didn't make any money anyway. But my manager was like, where'd you go for the last four and a half hours? Well, the Oklahoma-Iowa State game was on. You know what I mean? Because I just could, I can't, couldn't miss that game for some reason. Oklahoma might score 60 points. Yeah, come on, the Capital One bowl game is starting. How the hell can I work? Oh, no, well, bowl games were just, I couldn't even, during bowl season, you know, that's the big-time money that retail people make. Yet, you know, it's like, you know, it's December 23rd, there's a guy there's about to spend four grand on his daughter, and I decide... Not to say hello, can I help you, sir? Because I got to go find out if uh, SMU is beating <laughs> Purdue in the in a battle of six and six teams. Yeah. You know, the coach, I know exactly what you're talking. That's probably not your best sales technique, no question no. about it. By the way, before we move over to pro football, one hour show here, we got to keep on the skivvy, if you will. Big dog and a coach at your service here. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Phone lines open. Any of the Football, you want to talk about something happened over the New Year's of uh, a humorous variety. We would uh, be more than willing to take those calls as well. 888 we got producer extraordinaire David Olson, our rocket Gibraltar, back for year number three, Big Dog. It's always, uh, you know, as topsy-turvy as the two of us are, it's always nice we have David Olson to keep us grounded. Well, somebody's got to ground us, Coach. <laughs> Actually, one could say we do a pretty good job of grounding ourselves. We didn't. We didn't need David Olson to do that, but you know, hey, we specialize in the on completing on the third and long. But um, oh, I, I wanted to say before we leave collegiate football, I'll give you 15 seconds. We do want to mention your beloved Fighting Illini. I won a game that had very little insignificant, very little significance. No, I was probably the only person in America watching uh, the Illinois game. And can I can I just throw this out to schedulers of bowl games? If don't if, if you're going to schedule a team in the bowl, don't say hey fight for hunger bowl. Let me see. Hmm. Can we, should we invite Illinois? Oh well, you know what? Illinois is playing Purdue on national television at exactly the same time. Maybe we can find another team to show up for this particular game. That's what, how come Illinois always plays a bowl game the exact same time their basketball team is playing. That happened last year when they were beating up Baylor in the Texas Bowl. Well, it, it, uh, it, it, it just, and by the way, I'm glad that it happened because I didn't have to watch <laughs> Illinois lose that really close <laughs> game to Purdue. Yeah. Which I, it was, I'll tell you, that game was a lot closer than the 18 point deficit, coach. Yeah, you're fighting they, a lot. They, they probably should have lost by 70. <laughs> Your Illinois Hoops team will be in town uh, later today and. Uh, I'm assuming they'll come in today, maybe early tomorrow morning. They're taking on the Northwestern Wildcats at Northwestern. I will be sitting, uh, not courtside, but I'll be there at the game, Big Dog, cheering on the Wildcats against your fighting Illini. Sorry about and that. And I'm going to be sitting right next to you, Coach. I hope so. Oh, hey, seriously, I'm going with you. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. 
I'm not. I'm forcing you. You have no other choice now but then to take me to this game. You realize that? I'm already sitting next to three hardcore Illinois fans, so I don't. I don't. You know, adding you won't make it any worse. Believe me. Would you have an extra ticket for me? Uh, I had before you told me you couldn't make it. I told you I couldn't make it to the Northwestern Penn State game. I didn't say anything about the Northwestern Illinois game. You said you're not able to make it in because of transportational difficulties. I'll walk. (laughs) Get a walk from Aurora to Welsh Ryan Arena. Well, from the the purple line to Welsh Ryan Arena, I will definitely walk from. Yeah. That's all right. It's all good. That's, that's a, miscommunication. All right. But Illinois' football team, anyhow, uh, you know, comes through with a win. I guess that's, you know. You know, no, Coach, the way I look at it is this. As much as I was disappointed with the end of the year and all that, then they were playing a bad match, I did not want them losing to UCLA, UCLA in a bowl game, okay, and then going 6-7. and 7-6 seven. Mm-hmm. Seven and six in a bowl game is a lot better than 6-7. and seven. And at least they got three more weeks of practice. But the problem is who, who supervised the practice? Did those guys really – they were all leaving Illinois. The way Illinois handled the end of this football season was bad. Uh, I don't want to say disgusting or despicable. I want to go yeah, that way, but it, was, it did not feel right, Coach. Well, I did it, not didn't, like it didn't win. feel right because it wasn't right outside of you yeah. know seniors not wanting to play, assistant coaches who wanted to coach but because of contract, not difficulties, but disagreements on how their contracts would be extended or ended almost, it got almost bad enough where they were going to protest and sit out the game. You had all that going on. You had an interim coach, the head coach fired, interim coach coaching the team. The interim coach had been asked to stay on, and he said, no, I'm moving elsewhere. So a interim coach that was a lame duck, that's pretty weird. And then your head coach sitting on the sidelines observing. It was a, it's going to be one of those things a year from now that they'll look back on saying it was quite a debacle, big deal, but they got through it. Not only got through it, they got a W, so that is a positive for your alignment. Yeah. And the biggest, we'll see, but the biggest debacle of this whole situation was if Paul Christ wanted the job, the offense coordinator for the Wisconsin Badgers. Because yeah. if he wanted the Illinois job and didn't get it, that would be the biggest shame of all of this because he is the perfect coach. I want to say it again. Tits Beckman guy throws the ball almost every single down coach there's 30-mile-an-hour wins in an open stadium at Illinois. The worst coach, you need to get a running philosophy in at Illinois. And maybe, I know you don't want to hear that, Coach, and but you're a Northwestern fan, true to heart. But it's, it's just the, the, it's the life or death of an Illinois coach is whether or not they have the right styles for their particular system. And that's what they need to do. Now we got a guy that throws the ball. Toledo throws it every single down, Coach. Like I said, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but Rich Rodriguez all over again. Just, oh, wow. it, it don't feel right right from the beginning, and that's what happened with Rich Rod at Michigan again. Hope you know right. what I always say to people is be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Everybody wanted Ron Zook out, and I did too. And now we got what we wanted, and I'm like, oh, no. Now here's we start. <laughs> now if you think about what's going on with the Bears, everybody wanted Jerry Angelo out, didn't they, Coach? Well, you got what you wanted, folks. He was fired this morning. So, I, uh, someone in the house just heard that Angela was fired for the first time. That's Briano, my Mexican uh, <laughs> contingent in the house, just found out. And he did the old Ole on delay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yes, everyone, Jerry Angelo is now out. His last, time he, last time he did the Ole on delay, he uh, did it with a towel. That's all he was wearing. Hopefully not the same pictorial this time. 
Yeah, and then, uh, well, when that happened last time, forget about the Andale. I just kept yelling, on, 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 and pointing to the, the uh, towel. If I was there, I would have yelled, oy vey, on the Andale. But uh, now, David Olson, you've been following the story. We make a nice transition from college football to pro football. Talk about the games. The playoff picture is set. But here in Chicago, is it official? The rumors were strong this yeah, morning. Oh, no, gone. it's 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 official. It is, He's it, gone. Well, it wasn't yeah. official 20 minutes ago, Big Doug, so. It, well, no, it was official two hours ago. It was official. I don't know about that. He's gone, Coach. <laughs> Who said he was gone? Uh, so far, ESPN Radio, ESPN Television. Well, well, well the thing is, but the Bears haven't said everything. Anything. The Bears haven't said anything, but yeah. everybody is reporting that he's gone. Okay. And let me ask you this: with the Bears now, is is uh, George McCaskey? Is he the guy making the big call? Is well, Ted Phillips still? Ted, well, Ted Phillips is the is the president, so technically he's the one that's he's the decision maker, right? Uh-huh. I so think I think if we, I think that if this was George McCaskey's call, Ted Phillips would be gone too. That's the, yeah. That's that's also I agree with that. Now that's why if this is true, I guess I I just assumed it was true. ESPN was reporting it. Okay, so it, it, it's it's got to be true. Everybody is reporting it. Everybody's yeah. reporting it now. So. The way I look at it is they just gave Lovey a two-year extension. There's people inside of the organization that have been basically doing Angelo's work as Angelo makes the last, the final decision on who to take on draft picks and who to add. And his additions this year were phenomenal. Sam Hurd, Marion Barber, and Roy Williams. Ouch. Yeah, they were good. Okay, they Almost were makes you want to forget Benny Imanawano. Um, uh, Ian Badejo. Him too. So, yeah. So that's what, you know, because think about this. If they just signed, they just extended Lovey Smith two more years at $5 million a year, the Bears are too cheap to pay him money, especially for more than one year, to fire him. They're bringing somebody in from inside the organization, and they're going to give them, like, a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't work out, they'll clean house with everything, bring in a new GM who brings in a coach. That's, the, that's what's going to happen. You know the Bears are not going to bring in a big-time GM and pay them big-time money, and then also – because so that GM can fire Levy Smith and pay it. That'll cost them, like, who knows how many million dollars a year. The Bears are going to do this as cheap as they possibly can, which yeah. means – and I don't want Levy Smith fired. I want to repeat this. I want Mike Marks fired, and that's it. And I want Levy Smith to remain as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and I think I he want... will. I think you're right for a couple of years. Let me go back to a comment uh, producer extraordinaire David Olson made. Now, you said if it was up to George McCaskey, he would fire Ted Phillips as well. Well – who no, 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 no. He was who, saying, who? no, no, if it was McCaskey doing it, they would, he would clean house with Phillips, I think. Well, so who's, I don't get it then. Who's making, who's running the show? I would say Ted Phillips is if he's still he there. Is. I think that's what, that's the indication. So the McCaskies are, they're, they're like afraid to, over, what, what kind of contract does Ted Phillips have? Would they have to pay him? Are they, you're saying he's got the power now, even to the point where the McCaskies are afraid to fire him, even if they well, want to? No, no, I'm not saying that, Coach. I'm just saying that if 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 it was the McCaskey's decision to fire Angelo, you would have to almost fire Phillips also because it's kind of like the hand-in-hand deal. So if it's Angelo going and not Phillips, Phillips made the decision. Or it was Phillips being like, all right, let's, let's get ourselves a new general manager and go in that direction, which quite I think it's about time, quite honestly, because if you – it's just time. I'm not saying Angelo was a complete failure, but there's way too many consistent things that happen. When you're talking about for the whole time we've been, he's been the GM of the in the city of Chicago. We 
have never had a playmaking wide receiver. We've never had two running backs of quality on the team at all times. The offensive line has continued to be a sieve. Yes, you can pick a guy in the third round that ends up being a great you know, linebacker or DB, but why can't we find anybody on offense? It's 10 years now, Coach. Yeah, I, don't, so, I think most fans would agree it's time for a change. You can agree or disagree on the positive negatives of Jerry Angelo, but I think 88.4% of the Chicago Bear public would agree, uh, again, positive or negative on the past. Time for a change. Bring in somebody new. Let's get some fresh blood in the talent you know what? You, you know what? Too bad. we did, they, they should have said, hey, you know what? We're going to fire you next year. Could you just at least rebuild our defense and get it prepared for the guy that you were going to replace you with? Because we'll have him build the offense. Because mm-hmm. right now the defense, he kept trying to do something on the offense. The defense is totally old. Now we're going to have to have somebody that won't be as good as Angelo picking out a defense to pick out the new defense for the Chicago Bears. By the way, While Bill Polian, one of the most respected GMs in the biz, fired by the Indianapolis Colts along with his son, is it Scott? Chris? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Scott. One of the yeah. flying Polian brothers, but uh, they're available, big dog, so... Can, can, I, can, I sum up, can I sum up Bill Polian with two words? Peyton Please. Manning. Uh, enough said. Peyton Manning. That's, Bill Polian is just an average GM, and they had Peyton Manning, and they won 10 games a year for, you know, 12 years, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden Peyton Manning goes out, and you realize that the team Bill Polian put around him sucked. Okay. Enough. I don't. We, I so want. There's... I want some thirty-eight-year-old, thirty-nine-year-old guy with some vision and uh, the ability to try to put a team together as a team, and not a bunch of like don't do it like Philadelphia. We get a bunch of superstars. I, I want a guy that's going to build Wait a, a team. It's coming across the line here. The Bears. The rumor is the Bears will be hiring Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein to take over. He's going to continue on with the Cubs, but uh, the Bears are saying. What's good enough for the Cub, good enough for us, too. We want the hotshot young guy. Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer and company, will also be taking over the Chicago Bears. That's the rumor going on, Big Dog. Thank God. You know what I think is going to happen is Theo's probably going to hire his own GM for the Bears. Mm-hmm. He'll have Hoyer working on the Cub, yep. and he'll get somebody else on the Bears. Because mm-hmm. you could be the, the, the president of football operations and baseball operations if you do have a GM sure. doing this. Coach, this is wonderful news. <laughs> yes, David. We have a little bit of clarification. Uh-oh. It goes back to what we were talking I about a couple minutes ago. Uh, Ted Phillips is going to meet the press in a couple hours and address the GM situation. So okay, most yeah, likely let's... Ted Phillips will not be announcing his own firing? No. Okay. We, it's safe to yeah. assume that. Never know. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. You know, with the, with the Bears and their press conference issues over the years in terms of hirings and firings, we could expect some type of gaffe today. I just like to see Ted Phillips go out there and say, I'm out of here, too. Drop the mic and walk off. Yeah. That'd be awesome. We're going to hire Dave McGinnis as our coach. We can't find him. Uh, Dave McGinnis is like, what? You didn't tell me that. Forget F you then, and I'm going to take the Cardinal job. That was awesome. Then we end up with Dick Duran. That really worked out for the Bears. How about that, Coach? Remember that? That was a – I remember it all too well, my friend. Yes, David. Yeah. And the Bears have added to their websites. Uh Uh-oh. We will continue to evaluate the coaching staff. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting. Is that, coaching that might be geared at Martz more than at head coach Lovey Smith, but it is a little yeah. ominous. And let's please keep Tobe. Honestly, if Tobe is not taking a head coaching job or an, uh, like a major coordinator job somewhere in the NFL, 
We cannot lose Dave Tope to another team as their special teams coach. If you see what I do, you know what I'm getting at, Coach? Absolutely. If, you, if he's getting the head coach job, best of luck, man. You did a phenomenal job with the Bears. You know, but if, if he ends up being like the Rams special team coach or something like that, we can't have that happen. He's got to remain in the city of Chicago. So we need to figure out his contract, too. Isn't he interviewing with the Dolphins for the head position? Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. okay. But if that's what it is, I wish him the best of luck. That well, dude, that's, I mean, but it, it wow. seems like they're going hardcore after Jeff Fisher, though. Okay, which? So which, are the St. Louis Rams. Well. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 excuse me. The, the, the Rams supposedly are talking to Fisher. But without a doubt, the Dolphins, there have been so many rumors about the Dolphins, similar to what uh, Dave just said about the Bears, that, it's got to be true. As a matter of fact, the the Titans and the Texans, oh, excuse me, who were the Dolphins playing this week? They were playing the Jets. And for some reason, uh, Jeff Fisher was in the in in Miami, and he was at the at a hotel where the same where the Dolphins were staying at. So who knows, Coach? Who knows? He, he would work out well in Miami. I think he's the guy. If you go back to our morning break radio tapes, way back, way back when, Big Dog. When the Bears first hired Lovey Smith, uh, before they hired Lovey Smith, I think it was you along with the, me. I know with me for sure. With Jeff Fisher was the guy I wanted yeah. to leave Tennessee. Still was a fairly young Tennessee Titan coach and come be the head coach of our Chicago Bears. I'd still like to see him. I think he's a pretty good coach, Guppy. I, I would still, I would love him. And you know, there are some coaches that like fit better, like with high payroll teams and like the prima donnas. And then there's other ones that you know. If you're a team like the Florida Maryland version of NFL teams, like Jeff Fisher's perfect for that. He seems mm-hmm. to get the most out of his teams. And, and Miami, let's face it, that Miami is a uh, what do you say? They're a, a fair weather fan team. You know what I mean? So you really can't. It's really risky to spend a lot of money down there. You got to do it with the basics and the, the grunts of the world in order to. To win in Miami, or else you're really risking losing money down there. One of the interesting football games of the weekend. Let's talk about it real quick. Here's some of the NFL games, then we'll get into the playoff picture maybe as the week progresses. But uh, Miami knocking off the New York Jets in that particular game, big dog. And I think the Jets could have still made the playoffs. Final score was 19-17. Matt Moore, much improved quarterback, scores a late touchdown choke by the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins continue their second-half turnaround. Impressive win. Yeah, and the Jets, they continue to talk and talk, but they can't walk the walk. Uh, a very, very disappointing year. Without a doubt, the Jets one of the most disappointing teams in, in the NFL. And uh, a, a thumbs up, you know, we say it, you know, the team is 0-7, they can cash a season in, but we always say, hey, you know, you play in the NFL, you're getting paid $100,000 a game if you're, if you're a league average player. Continue to play, and that's exactly what the Dolphins did, Coach. So kudos to them. Green Bay knocked off Detroit 45-41. It was not a game of great significance, but the offensive numbers, WOW, exclamation mark, wow. Matt Flint in for Aaron Rodgers. Six touchdowns, 480 yards, and in defeat, Matt Stafford threw for over 500 yards and four touchdowns. Calvin Johnson had like 11 catches, 244 yards again. The game didn't have that much significance, but uh, wow, Packers win it 45-41. And by the way, Big Dog, uh, my predictions this year in Beat the Smells, uh-huh. not good, but I did call at the beginning of the year. Green Bay Packers, 15-1. and I got something right. Well, they, well that's, a, that's a good call. I did, I, no surprise that they had the best record in the NFL, Coach. Now, how about, they, is Matt Flynn become uh, just one game? 
make a big contract or much ado about nothing? But that's six- well, that's 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 a really good question because Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, those three players, the game, the the record for most yards in the game was set by Matt Flynn this weekend, and most touchdowns in the game by a Packer quarterback was this weekend by Matt Flynn. That's amazing, Coach. The guy started three games or whatever it is, career, and he has the record. Well, let me ask you, I didn't watch that game. Was Detroit resting some of their defensive starters, or did Ndamukong Sue and the rest of the boys play at I full was, tilt? I was watching it on uh, Red Zone, so it was going back and forth, so I really can't tell you. It didn't seem like they were resting people. Ndamukong Sue was on the field. Wow. Cliff Averill was on the field. That, that, it looked this, like the, the Detroit Lions starting defense was on the field. Does not bode well for the Lions come playoff time. Got to get some defense going. On the opposite end of that spectrum of the Green Bay-Detroit game was the Kansas City-Denver game. The Broncos needed to win to get in. Well, I guess they didn't because they lost 7-3, to but somehow, someway, they still make the playoffs. Tebow mania has uh, died off significantly. I think he threw for 60 yards about, and the Broncos lose their third in a row. Big Duff final score, 7-3. to uh, let me let me sum it up this way. Please I was, I, keep I was it clean. The game when, it, when it happened, the the three points scored by the Denver Broncos that scoring drive was a three and out. <laughs> it was after a fumble recovery. They did not have one scoring drive all game as an offense. That pretty period. much sums it up. Mm-hmm. Wow, I wanted to watch that one actually. I wanted to tune in and I did not. And I to the final score, I'm kind of glad I didn't. But nobody uh, thought that game was so hard hitting. I, I, Tim Tebow is one tough SOB. <laughs> oh, my goodness, did he take a beating. It was awesome. Denver's defense, pretty good. <laughs> By the way, Philadelphia over Washington, 34-10. to 10. The Eagles win on a three- or four-game winning streak. One could say, Big Dog, I know it's too little too late, but at this point, the Philadelphia Eagles may be the second or third best team in the NFC, or would you disagree? Uh, they, yeah, they could be, Coach, but it's, that point is moved right now. That point is absolutely moved. Mm-hmm. They, they they finished well, kind of like we were talking about the Dolphins. They could have cashed it in, too, and they, they decided to finish hot, and they will definitely be a team pick to win the NFC East next year, without a doubt. Yep, the emphasis on next year. Yep. Oakland had a chance to make the playoffs, but a long wait for the Oakland Raiders. They lose to San Diego 38-26. to It was right there for the taken big dog, but uh, Norv Turner maybe, maybe saves his job in a tough day, tough night, tough evening for the Oakland Raider fans. Yeah, and uh, the Oakland Raiders defense, you completely let your team down. Uh, Shane Leckler, the best punter in the NFL, pins him at the one, the Chargers at the one, and then you proceed to let a 99-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter to basically lose the season. Oh, and by the way, Coach, the Oakland Raiders, who are an extremely talented team, they set the record uh, on Sunday for the most penalties and the most penalties and most penalty yards in the season by an NFL team. That is why you lose. 163 penalties on the season, 1,358 penalty yards. It's interesting, Big Dog, that that throughout the various coaches that they've had, the Oakland Raiders' ability to get penalized seems consistent. It's it's odd that through a bunch of regimes, but somehow, I don't know if it's the black jerseys, the reputation, the tradition, whatever it is, they set the record this year, but it's been their tradition for about 20 years. Well, it, it, it is a little bit the fact that uh, that the NFL hates the Raiders and Al Davis. I don't care what anybody says, it has a little bit to do with that. Okay. Memo to the NFL, Al Davis has passed away.
Not only do we so bury, not only is it time to bury the hatchet, but it was time to bury Al Davis this past year. Well, they didn't want they didn't want any uh, Raiders having a Super Bowl win, and then said we did it for Al Davis type Apparently. stuff going on. One of the uh, nice and clean win, and you're in, losing your out game. Sunday night football, Giants in Dallas. Giants up twenty one nothing at halftime. Dallas starts to come back. They make it twenty one to fourteen. The announcer, I forget who it was, goes as Dallas scores their second touchdown. Well, here we go, folks. Meaning we're going to be ready for a big comeback and exciting finish. But Eli Manning and Victor Cruz hit on a couple of clutch third-down passes and put the mm-hmm. Cowboys away. And any time the Giants want to trade Victor Cruz for Dane Sonsenbacher, I'm happy to make that trade. Oh, my goodness, I would love to see him doing salsa dances in the Bears' end zone. Oh, my goodness, that would be nice. Oh, uh, did, did you watch that game? Because there, there were some I, clutch. I mean, Dallas, they were ready to come back. They got the ball back. They were going to tie that puppy up and maybe win it in overtime. But the Giants' offense, particularly Victor Cruz, came through in the clutch. Yeah, they exactly right. On third down plays, completed a couple like 15 yard in passes. You know, Victor Cruz really making a catching the ball with his hands, coming back to the ball on the one play. It was just phenomenal, coach. That's just being a good wide receiver there. Where did and he? It, it's like, where did he play in college? Uh, Victor Cruz played at a really small school, coach. He played at like a, a Division two school. He did not okay. play at a Division one school. First round pick? Uh, no, he was like a, like a third or fourth round nice. pick. That's the, anyway, whoever Hakeem, found, Hakeem whatever GM found him, that's the guy the Bears should hire. Uh, well, Hakeem Nix, who's really, really good. It was a first-round pick, and he, the kid is really – he's our second-best receiver on the team. And the kid from the small school finally got a chance. He's good. And it, to put the bet on the, the Cowboys, which I'm sure everybody would like, we talked earlier about how this kid Williamson from Stanford, the freshman field goal kicker, misses a kick, Oof. and all of a sudden you really don't get how good Andrew Luck was in that game yep. because the kid missed a kick. Yep. Well, think about this. Uh, people, should the Cowboys go with Tony Romo? They choked. Blah, blah, blah. They could. Well, check this out. If their field goal kicker doesn't miss two clutch field goals this year, you know, they're, they're 10 and 6. They cruise into the playoffs. You know, the, the game against the, the Giants means nothing on Sunday. Instead, they're 8 and 8. He missed two. If they, he makes one of those two field goals, people right now say, oh, yeah, Tony Romo might be a decent quarterback because he missed them. He's, oh, the Cowboys need to replace him. They choked. It's amazing how many times the soccer players have a gift to have a, they choose their performance shows how good somebody else is. Ladies and gentlemen, just the tip of the iceberg, just a piece of the pie that you're going to get from the big dog here in the year 2012, the passion, the knowledge, the inspiration, and the wit. Well, two out of four is not bad from the big dog. Joel Radwanski, wish you the best of luck in this new year, big dog. Hopefully uh, the solid regular paying job is going to come your way here in 2012. David, the last year was a tough year for the Big Dog. I think last year, the last job the Big Dog applied for. was phenomenal. Don't tell me that. I had a phenomenal 2011. And I have a job. I just want to start until April. Okay. All right. Because, you know, the last job the Big Dog applied for, they asked him, among the many questions, they asked him, you know, do you have a criminal record? Big Dog said no, but if I need to for the job, I can get one. Yeah, that's, that helps, <laughs> by the way, believe it or not. Uh, no, seriously, dog, we'll look forward to uh, year number three with you, my friend, and uh, plenty of sports and more to talk about. Any um, any other little nuggets we didn't get to today, my friend? Oh, my God, uh, there's so many stuff going around the world. This week, when we touch on, like, the the here ye, here what, what, what the seek and ye shall find, comes. Yep. oh, my goodness, whatever we do it this week, I don't know what day there is, but... I have a long list of stuff we need to get to. Beautiful. Long keep, list. Keep the notes. David, any uh, 
Did you have an ad in them? Uh, yeah, the Bears have updated their website again. Lovey's safe. Everybody else on the staff, being evaluated. Being evaluated. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, that's, and that's completely right. And if people think Lovey Smith should go, they really need to really think about the performance of the coaching staff and the players that uh, Lovey Smith has been given. Honestly, and the, and the other coaches on the on the staff. Rod Marinelli, I think, should be safe as defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Also, all right. Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl, and don't forget what I said earlier in the show: the ninety eighth Rose Bowl just concluded. I am anxiously looking forward to the hundredth Rose Bowl. You can imagine the pageantry and the celebration as Northwestern takes on USC in a couple of years in the one hundredth Rose Bowl, big dog. And the recruiting trail starts today. I hope Pat Fitzgerald is hard at work. I, I, I'm sure. It's just, the Rose Bowl started in 1903, so there's been a bunch of years, I guess, they didn't play it. I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong. I thought it was the 98th. No, no, you're exactly right. It's, it's, it was the 98th Rose Bowl, but the Rose right. Bowl started in 1903, so I, there All must right. be a few years where they were just like, ah, uh, it was it's Oregon State versus, uh, right. you know. Was, and if, if the Cats make the 100th, you and me are uh, most assuredly making the trip to Pasadena together. Don't don't tease me, coach. Don't tease me like that, because I will remember that. I'll be like, hey, hey, and I'll show up at purple on your on your doorstep hey. on December thirty first. Hey, you ready hey, to go? How you doing? How you doing? Ah, right, my friend, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Plenty to get to, including seeking you shall find. Okay. Peace out, fellas. God bless you, big dog and the coach. We'll be back at you tomorrow again. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope the two thousand twelve year off to a great start. We will see you tomorrow at ten o'clock. Don't be late. Have a great day, everybody.